Obviously, Doctor, you've never been a 13-year-old girl. I Welcome back to Hate Fiction. I'm here today with another friend of the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, it's Renny from the Virgin Suicides episode again. This is our second time trying to record it. Um, <laughs> this is like the second week in a row that I'm having um, troubles with this. But anyway, uh, I brought you on here today to talk about Proanna. Um, what's your experience with it? So um, back on the Tumblr days in like 2013, whenever skin started getting like popular within Americans, I was like more like everyone was fascinated with like Cassie and also Effie, but mostly like Cassie. And I was fascinated with her and I started watching it. It wasn't until like my senior year whenever I like started to develop and still like struggle with it. And so that like I um it kind of like like um you said before the whole recording went all um psycho. Um <laughs> like anorexia kind of like died down like I, I didn't see it that much on the internet it wasn't until like a few years ago where like it just like started popping up everywhere again yeah no it's very true yeah like for literally for like I think like four years it was barely anywhere to see like a lot of the pro Anna stuff on uh Tumblr and stuff got deleted or it became like less obvious like it wasn't as widespread as it was before and obviously like um, like no one was using like blogs and like websites by that point. So that wasn't a thing either. And literally, yeah, it wasn't until like, I started noticing it again, like this year or like 2020, that's kind mm-hmm. of like when I became aware of like wave Twitter or <laughs> favorite corner footer, as I already made this joke, <laughs> but, um, yeah. And it's like, it really died down for a bit. It's really yeah. funny. Cause I thought like, I also became aware of like the pro Anna stuff through skins and Tumblr, like I'm guessing like during the same time as you did. Um, but like, I thought that like it had never existed before, you know, cause suddenly like, like, I think it was like 2012 to like 2015. I was like seeing these like, um, talk show episodes and like whatever else everywhere about like anorexic girls and how to deal with it. And so I thought it was like literally like a social phenomenon. And then like later on when I like started doing research, like, Apparently it was like a ma- like a massive thing in the early 2000s as well and there were like pro anna blogs and stuff and um I mean it's kind of like that movie I made you watch Hunger Points proanna.com Yeah proanna.com um <laughs> But yeah, basically to like summarize it for the audience, I made Rini watch a bunch of um, like Lifetime movies about eating disorders. <laughs> like the most, like the most like triggering, horrible movies of all time. Um, I binge watched them yesterday. It was horrible. But there's this one um, that I remember from like my eating disorder days that I would like watch constantly called Yeah, Hunger Point. And it has, I think her name is Christina Hendricks, like the woman from Mad Men like the the one with the red hair mm-hmm. um like the healthier sister or whatever yeah. yeah and it's like um yeah anyway so that movie has like a whole subplot about like pro anna websites and like pro anna blogs <laughs> it yeah. came on 2003 yeah and then um the friendship that kills 
or whatever it's called. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what what did you think of that one? Like um, like I told you before we started recording, um, I could not I could barely get through it. I had to keep pausing it and it took me like a few hours to um actually get through the whole movie. Even though, like I told you in the like in the beginning before we started recording, that I didn't sleep at all, but I actually did. I slept for like two hours just so I could like distract myself from that movie because it was that bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but like basically, like I don't know. I think the reason why I like told you to watch these two movies in particular is because I think they kind of like summarize the whole like ed experience pretty well without like you know going into the whole like what was that movie with lily collins that came on netflix to the bone yeah yeah like without going into that whole like shock value let's look at this like skeleton girl thing yeah i was gonna watch to the bone like a few weeks ago i think like whenever it first um came out everybody was like you know how like every time there's a movie that comes out on netflix that's like supposed to be educational and then people get like mad because you're not portraying it right apparently there's a scene where lily collins like ate an apple and then she perched and people were like that's not realistic it's like (laughs) maybe not realistic for you um i actually watched that movie when it came out i um like literally just like out of morbid fascination it like came out like way after my ed days um so like i just watched it because i was like curious and stuff and also i think like the one thing about eating disorders is that like when you're like really sick, you like can't stop consuming media that has something to do with it. It's like a morbid. I think it like like addicts do that too, I guess. It's like, you know, like you have that thing that kind of makes you special. And so you want to consume and like absorb anything that has anything to do with it. So it's like, yeah, like I remember like being really sick and I would just like watch these like lifetime movies, like endlessly, like on a loop. Um and I think that kind of like the like the desire to like consume any media and any like art that's connected to it has stuck with me. So like yeah, so I watched that movie and like it was just awful. Like it wasn't even just the fact that it was like unrealistic or like, you know, like portraying it in an unhealthy way. It was just well, first of all, it was like an awful movie, like badly acted, <laughs> badly directed, like badly scripted. I feel like it all about like eating disorders is going to be bad acting that's true yeah yeah but i actually i think um the the friendship that kills is a pretty well-acted movie maybe it's like a bad thing to say about a lifetime movie but yeah i thought thought it was pretty good it was it was good for a lifetime movie because like nowadays lifetime movies are horrible no one can act but it was it was an uncomfortable movie yeah i mean it's kind of like 13 but like without any of the aesthetics or like anything that makes it pleasurable to watch (laughs) it's just like it's just like this gruesome story and you're just supposed to be absorbed by it I mean I guess I guess the idea behind all of these like lifetime movies and to a bone like as well it's just like that they're supposed to be like yeah educational and they're supposed to like I don't know like educate the parents you know prevent the girls from like killing themselves and whatever yeah but like the thing with that is it's like I don't know like the thing with like not even just like eating disorder movies but just like educational movies about like any mental illness it's like it's not gonna help people are gonna get help when they want to get help there's like no amount of educational movies is gonna 
change that. I mean, yeah, of course not. But it's like they have to show something to people in schools, you know, to like talk about this stuff. Like, um, I don't know, like they made us like, I remember being in like seventh grade or something. We were like doing eating disorders and biology. And like they like showed us all these like gross videos from the 80s because it was like a German <laughs> school. And that's the only thing they showed you. Like these awful videos. And, like, like there were like semi cartoons about like, yeah, like it was like anorexic girls and like how you see yourself different in the mirror and stuff. There's this really funny moment in Friendship That Kills like when Lexi like the the anorexic character is at the hospital she's like looking at herself in the mirror and they like stuffed her clothes with like a bunch of like I don't know padded whatever so she's supposed to like look larger and it just looks so comical like it just looks like a bad like SNL sketch <laughs> what I laughed at I was cracking up so badly because when I, I think the doctor said that she was a 125 and then like it turn to a scene where she's taken all this stuff out of her pockets. So I don't think you can get away with that now in real life. I think they uh, check pockets now. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess kind of the idea of like the whole, because that movie came out like what, 1986? Like, I yeah. think all that stuff is kind of like out of the public consciousness, literally until like the pro-Anna stuff started popping up on the internet because it's like, um, I was reading up on Karen Carpenter right before we start recording and stuff. And she's like one of the people I wanted to talk about because obviously she's, I guess, like the most famous anorexic like you know when you like like talk to anorexia about someone it's like oh it's like the Karen Carpenter thing right and it's like um because she she like really like withered away basically in the public eye and anyone could see that and you can like trace her analysts for like her public appearances and stuff and it's it's very gross and very gruesome but um I literally forgot what I was gonna say (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I was just gonna say that it's like, um, basically, like the whole point that the article was trying to make was the fact that it's like, you know, like back then, like in the 70s and 80s and stuff, like no one had any like idea of what anorexia was. So there was like no real way to help her. Like there were barely... And she was really wealthy and really rich and well-connected and stuff. But it's like, not even she could pay, like, she could pay for any program in the world. But like, she, like, even she couldn't get the help she needed because no one right. Like the whatever the like the real whatever like the things that stand um basically to lead that lead to diseases like that and stuff so it was like right. yeah so it's kind of like out of the public consciousness for the most part yeah it's crazy because like um we talked about this like a few days ago or I think it was yesterday I don't remember but um I knew okay like I knew about the Carpenters because of their songs because they have like popular songs obviously and then because I've always been a fan of Sonic Youth like yeah since I was a child and then like I always knew about their song like Tunic uh, a song for Karen but I never knew like who Karen was I, I didn't make that connection it wasn't until uh, my sophomore year I was in health class and um, this woman came and and she was talking about eating disorders and um she started talking about Karen Carpenter and I still didn't even make the connection then with the Sonic Youth song. And then I found, and then I looked it up. I was like, Oh, this makes sense. Like it didn't even connect to me. I didn't even know the song was about an eating disorder at all. I mean, to be fair, that song is like pretty cryptic. Like I, I, you know, well, actually there's this one bit in the music video where Kim Gordon is like standing, like her face, like it's like, you know, you can just only see her face. And then they like superimpose like a skeleton onto her, like a skeletal image. And it's just so like grotesque and like stupid. (laughs) I couldn't stop watching that music video. Like um, I had like a Sonic Youth 
like I've always listened to them I've always known about them and stuff but it's like I had like a little like period where I just couldn't stop listening to them for like a good like two months I think it was like two years ago or something and I just you know watched all of their videos like listened to all of their songs and stuff and I remember um coming across that video and I was just like oh my god you know like this is so grotesque like who will like who thought this was a good idea or that it was like honoring her in any way like it's just so out there but it's funny because like um like now with like yeah like proana websites and like you know like all of the stuff being out in the open and like now you, you have way more celebrities like who are like open about their struggles with eating disorders and you have like you know like nicole richie and stuff like um like famously like struggling with it in like the early 2000s and stuff but it's like mm-hmm. like now even though it's like much more in the public consciousness i think there's still like a huge sort of like everyone misunderstands it, which I guess makes sense. Like any, like, you know, if it doesn't concern you, you like, you wouldn't get a lot of that, but it's like, it's just, yeah, it's still very much like the Karen Carpenter, like <laughs> tunic thing. Cause like, um, cause we'll get into this, the whole waif thing. And I feel like they're, they're making it worse. Cause there's this whole, you know, we're in a generation now where body positivity, feminism is a big thing and fat people are, trying very hard to get you know recognition and make their voices heard so it's turned into more of like I feel like it's less body positivity and more like shaming skinny people like especially like the skinny people that don't even like do anything they just exist like there's this whole thing on TikTok where I mean TikTok is just like the birth of well not the birth but like the poster child of buzzwords and the buzzword right now is um body checking and you'll just have like some skinny girl who's just existing, doesn't even have an eating disorder, just like having fun in front of the camera. And then you have all these people. Oh, you're body checking. This is like pro-Anna. And it's like, she's existing. No, but I, there is like a whole thing. Well, I guess it's always existed, right? Because like famously, they like really shamed um, Kate Moss for being skinny. And it was like, she was like called the pro-Anna model and stuff. And I mean, you know, she didn't help her case by saying stuff like nothing go- uh, nothing feels as good as skinny feels, which is like the right. ultimate pro-Anna quote. Like, you know, <laughs> you go right. on any pro-Anna blog, you'll see that out there. So she really didn't help herself there. But it's like, she obviously wasn't anorexic. She was just like really naturally right. skinny. A lot of models are like common but it's like um like yeah like I think that's to a certain extent like that's always existed where they'll just like like bodies in general like it goes like it goes to the extremes always like it's always like either you know like the ideal is this or the ideal is that and it's like ne- literally almost never anything in between but it's yeah. like um like I don't know I think especially now with like, because the, the body ideal, like, sure. You have like the whole body positivity thing where it's like, you know, it doesn't matter how you look, especially like if you're fat, that's good. All of that, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you also have like, you know, the pro surgery, like you can modify your body in any way you can like, you know, get implants. You can like change this about your body. Like you can spend that many hours in the gym, like the obsessive control over your body still very much there. Like, I think it's never going to go anywhere, but it's like, I think that's the difference between like stuff like orthorexia and like anorexia and stuff because anorexia is almost like like a strife for something more spiritual and holy rather than just like um like a bodily obsession. Yeah, like um 
the thing like what you said about like body types is like yeah like being skinny has always been the ideal body type but I feel like nowadays like people keep saying it's the ideal body type now I feel like that's hardly the case because like like you said everyone's getting surgeries like the whole Kardashian era the Kardashian Jenners and everybody's more interested in being thick or slim thick and it's hardly like there's rarely anybody like that wants to be skinny and like skinny people are like I don't know I feel like (laughs) they're like the minority now they kind of are yeah because like I mean I think it has a lot to do with like um like the popular clothes and like the way of dressing and stuff because like obviously like in the early 2000s that was a lot more prevalent because you know low-rise jeans and like tube tops and like all of that stuff like in order to look good in that you pretty much have to be like stick thin like that's kind of the ideal that the clothes itself promotes well as like now it's like a lot of stuff is like like it's easy to hide basically and it's like that has shifted yeah the idea of what a perfect body would look like so like skinny and, and and like the way that we're used to it now or like we're used to it before yeah, that barely exists anymore. Unless you're on Twitter or like wave Twitter and you're obsessed with Dasha and like, you know, you're posting like whisper up confession memes like about how you've only had like two cigarettes and like an apple today or whatever. It's only the ideal body type if you're chronically online. Like that's it. Like if you, if you have such a problem with skinny people and you think like you still have it in your brain that it's the ideal body type that everyone's trying to achieve you are like you're chronically online obviously you just go off of what you see on like twitter like deep into twitter or tiktok because like we all know that's not the case anymore it's more like everyone everyone's getting like a brazilian booty lips or whatever it's called now like bbls and like everyone looks like ants now yeah like those from like that cartoon that have like inflated like I mean, it's true. Yeah, no, you're totally right. It is the ideal body type if you're chronically online. And especially if you're chronically online in a particular niche, like, like so many, like, I don't even like, you know, I'm not affiliated with like waste Twitter in any way, but just because like some people who follow me are like, I'll see like, yeah, I'll see like the constant like memes and like, you know, posts about ha ha ha. Like I've only had a black coffee today. Like it just feels like I'm back on like pro Anna Tumblr circa 2014 and everyone's like obsessed with like calorie counting. Like it's just such a weird, like throwback in a lot of ways. Right. See, the thing about Wave Twitter, like, (laughs) I'm so, like, I'm, like, obsessed with them at this point, like, because they are just so weird and insane and fascinating to me. Like, I I just, I don't, like, (sighs) the girl that I was supposed to be interviewing, because she's a part of Wave Twitter, and we, like, I told myself I would never, ever, ever, ever follow one of them, because they're, like, they're so fascinating. Like, you can't, it's like a car crash, you can't look away. And it's like, I don't know, I don't. I don't understand. Well, now I do because the um, the first question I had asked the girl was, "What's Wave Twitter's obsession with Red Scare and Dasha Nekrasova?" And it was, and I was like, "Why doesn't Anna ever get like?" that same obsession that Dasha gets and she was like it's because uh Dasha's like really skinny and slavic. I'm like, "So is Anna." Literally. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because Anna's more unique looking and more like she's more ethnic looking so people don't really care about her that much. Well, yeah, Dash is like the idea for like, you know, the perfect like ballerina like anorexic girl cuz she's blonde and she's tiny and she's kind of like 
tallish. So it's like, you know, it looks like, and you know, she does ballet and stuff and she's an actress, which is like much more appealing to people than like Anna, especially now, like being a mother and like, you know, like a public intellectual or whatever. Like it's, it's like a different ideal. Well, as Dasha, and I think it also has something to do with like the kind of pictures they post and the way that they present themselves. Like Anne is very much, I mean, Anne is a bit older, right? And it's like, and she presents yeah. herself as much older and like a lot more like mature and stuff. Well, as Dasha, you know, like she kind of plays with like the idea of being a teenager with like, you know, like right. tennis skirts and like, yeah, like, um, like that kind of stuff, which I think obviously is much more appealing to like depressed teen girls <laughs> on the internet. But I think that's kind of what's so, I guess, interesting and fascinating about like anorexia and like eating disorders at large, uh, at large to a certain extent, like the fact that for like the majority of people, obviously it's about like control and stuff, but like anorexia, especially much more so than like bulimia and like other EDs is like the idea is to like starve yourself to like a prepubescent form. Right. It's like to revert back to like being a child, basically it's, you know, like get rid of like your curves, get rid of like anything that makes you look like a woman. Also, like, obviously, like, when you starve yourself enough, if you starve yourself up to a certain point, like, you're going to lose your period, you're going to, you know, you're going to, like, lose all of those things that, like, are markers of, like, adulthood and, like, being a grown woman or, like, being a grown female adult. And it's, like, it's, like, the desire to, like, yeah, revert back to, like, the childlike form and just, like, being a child. And it's like, yeah, it's it's very it's very much I think about that. Yeah, I never thought about it like that, but that's interesting. Yeah, I can see it that way. Also, like a lot of anorexics, like Simone Bay and stuff, like um, are celibate. So, like a lot of them kind of like strive for like the pure, like you know, like purity in general, like purity at large, yeah. like holiness, and like um, and it that was kind of like part of like the Hunger Point movie as well, like the um. I don't remember what the sister's name was, like the anorexic one, the one who dies. Yeah, I forgot her name. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so like the sister, right? The one who dies. She, um, I think it's kind of also hinted at that she like never had a boyfriend, you know, she never had a relationship, like that she pretty, pretty much like, um, like just exercised control over her body and like, like contain herself in like this perfect, like child's like ideal, you know, form. Right. Yeah. And it's so like... It's so funny because there's this whole like beef or quote unquote beef like between the anorexics and the bulimics because the bulimics, I think it was said in one of the movies, I can't remember which one, the bulimics don't feel like they get enough attention. And and then like, of course, like anorexia is like the more popular one. And then I feel like bulimics are seen as the weaker part of the eating disorder spectrum or whatever because like they don't have the will to starve themselves they just eat and then they throw it up and they maintain their weight so like people see it as like pointless yeah no that's very true there's this one um like quote that I want to read from like one of the articles that I sent you um and it talks about how like because the thing about like, yeah, bulimia is that like, you know, you lose weight, you gain weight. And like, bulimia is very much about like being out of control. And it's like, you know, it's like, 
when you like watch an interview with like a bulimic or whatever, they all talk about how like, oh yeah, you know, I feel so out of control. Like I have no control over like this and that. And they have no control over what I consume and stuff. And anorexia is very much like, you know, anorexists are like perfectionists. Like they're people who like, you know, like you have to have a very strong will to like starve yourself to death like that. And like, yeah, sure. Like we can talk about how it's the disease doing it and like the person is not in control and stuff, but like, like on average, I think there are like statistics and stuff. Like I've seen studies that are just like talking about how, um, like, you know, like anorexics tend to be like straight A students and they tend to be like, you know, um, like high achievers and like, you know, they get to the, be- the best colleges and stuff and they're, su- and they're often like successful career women. if like, it happens to them later in life. And it's like, there's this one, um, paragraph from like one of the articles and talks about how it talks about like the difference between like, uh, fasting and diets and anorexic and it says diets are prescriptive like convent fast so much of this so little of that anorexic holy or otherwise make their own laws anorexic succeeds and ends in death more frequently than other um, psychiatric disorders so it's like basically anorexia is like all about success and it's the strive for success and it's the strive for perfection. And like, you know, it's like grotesque and ugly in its own way, obviously, but it's like, ultimately it's like the desire for something more than like the lack of control that we all experience living. Right. Yeah. It's like this obsession with doing something right, like just knowing that you can follow through with something and having this control that you never thought you could have. And I think it's also that like, um, I don't know if you had a chance to like read that stuff I sent you about Dare Wright, like the the photographer slash author. Yeah, I read that one. Um, like she was like, um, she like struggled with an eating disorder, like on and off. And like every time that it would, and she like, you know, she, she was like celibate as well. And she, she was like asexual and she like struggled with a lot of that stuff. But it's like, um, basically like the book Lonely Doll, like a biography of hers talks about how like, like she would like revert to like eat disordered eating during periods of terrible distress. So it was like a coping mechanism. And I think, um, it is a coping mechanism for a lot of people, right? So it's like, you feel out of control. You feel like you have no control over your like home life or your life in general and stuff. And so you revert to this like way of obsessively controlling your body because you feel like you have no control over anything else. Yeah. Yeah. um, The whole thing is just like, because whenever I read it and um, it made me think about like, because there's always this debate on like how eating disorders are supposed to be like ongoing and stuff. And people think like if your anorexia isn't ongoing, then you're you aren't actually in a, like anorexic or just dieting. And it's like, no, it can like come in. It's kind of like it reminds me of depression, how like some people have year long depression and others have like seasonal depression but that doesn't like minimize like the meaning of it you know yeah no totally and I think ultimately like but it's funny that like it's funny that the world of eating disorders is so competitive and like yeah you have like you know like the <laughs> you know like the constant like arguing between like bulimics and anorexics and like you know binge eaters and stuff but it's like also just like the way people sort of gatekeep eating disorders like it's just like this obsessive like again need to control but also it's like um like anorexia is very much like a superiority complex in a lot of ways or it's yeah. like you know you feel better than other people because you can control yourself the way nobody can and it's like you right. know and like 
I think when you're, especially when you're like in the midst of it and stuff and like really going through it, I think I remember like looking at people and being like, oh, you know, like I'm so much better than them because like they're fat and I'm not. And, you know, I can control myself and I can like say no to this. Like, you know, I can just survive in like black coffee and water and they can't. So I'm so much better than them. Like I deserve more. Literally just in a nutshell. (laughs) Yeah. When I look on there, it's always that. And it's funny because like they have this thing where they put their um, BMIs in their their bio. And it's like some of them have a BMI over, like they have like a BMI of 20 or 21. It's like, like, I, I know like B, uh, BMI of 20 is normal, but like according to Wave Twitter, some um, Wave girls that have like a BMI of 16, they're like, if you have a BMI over 18, you're fat. See, it's like a power trip, right? It's like a power trip where you, and I think that's kind of like, you know, especially now where you have this like, oh, this is not a gender thing. Like men struggle with eating disorder too. Men are abused too, blah, 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 all of that. But it's like, I think at the end of the day, like it's very much a female world. It's like a female, you know, pro-Anna stuff, especially like eating disorders themselves, less so, but pro-Anna and like pro-Anna online and the way those girls like interact with each other and the way that the whole world is like structured. It's very much like, you know, it's a girl's world. And it's like, and the way those girls talk to themselves and other people and like stuff, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like the ultimate like power trip for a lot, for a lot of them. I didn't eat for three days so I could be lovely, 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 lovely. Me as a Christian, as much as I want everyone to find God and have a relationship with him, it really irks me that like now it's an aesthetic and like it's very telling that it's an aesthetic with these people. Like I know it's not genuine and that they don't have a relationship with God. It's like, you are so embarrassing. I know you were an atheist like two years ago. Well, I was too, but like I did, th- I, I, I went back to being Christian before this whole wave thing. I, I went back to being Christian because my mom like put it into my brain. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. Christianity is good. And then these 16 year olds, they're just like, I don't know, like, the, I don't understand this whole Catholic obsession. Like, you're either, ca- you're either Catholic or you're not. Like, you can't force that on yourself. Well, of course not. But I, I think that it has something to do with their eating disorders, like, genuinely. Because, like, um, fasted for 40 days <laughs> yeah no but it's like I, I do think that it has something to do with like yeah their eating disorders because it's like I do think that like the desire to like because that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about like um I found this article well actually some like I was talking about like eating disorder in a group chat once and someone sent this article it was basically about like um because during like the medieval times and stuff there was this uh phenomenon called holy anorexia anorexia I practiced this word, like I literally looked up the pronunciation, but I don't remember how to pronounce it anymore. And I don't remember the word anymore. But anyway, so like holy anorexia, and it was basically like the idea is that like you like God makes you lose your appetite so you can like have space for him in your life. So you're not consumed by gluttony and like the other sins and stuff. And you can, you know, dedicate all of your effort and your time to God and the divine and whatever else. And like the difference between that and anorexia nervosa is that like anorexia nervosa is basically about like you having body dysmorphia and you become obsessed with your looks and stuff. Well, holy anorexia is all about like the strife for the divine. 
And I think in a weird way now, almost, um, and yet the article talks about like saints and stuff and the way that a lot of like women who later on became saints, like they, you know, they were, um, not struggled with cause it's not, you know, like an eating disorder, but it's like, they, you know, they had holy anorexia and they went through it and, you know, they starved themselves and stuff. And it's like, and, um, the article obviously like makes a comparison with anorexia nervosa and like the way that girls starve themselves in the 21st century and stuff and how, um, and basically it kind of makes a point that there isn't really much of a difference because at the end of the day, like both anorexia nervosa and holy anorexia are like a strive for something, you know, they're a strive for perfection and they're a strive for something beyond the self, like beyond the flesh. Right. It's a desire to like exit your body and exit, you know, the mortal, the mortar coil in like this, um, and like this transcendent way, because, you know, it's, again, it's like all about purity and it's all about purifying yourself the way that fasting is. And it's like about getting rid of like the bad stuff in your body. So you can, um, so you can, yeah, so you can connect with the divine. And I think there's something to be said about like the way those girls tweet and the way those girls are, obviously a lot of the, a lot of that stuff is aesthetic, but I do think there are general, you know, widespread thrive for an aesthetic existence that I think is very prevalent now, especially like prevalent among our generation. I do think that it's something, obviously like the words overused now and it's like too widespread, but it's like, I do think that we are kind of like rediscovering our need for beauty and the need for the divine. And it's now like, now it's in this cringy, you know, like inception stage where all of it just seems very superficial, but I do think that there's something deeper underneath it like I do think that those girls are just like you know really I mean obviously they're really going through it but they're going through it in like a different way too like more than just like they're struggling with their adolescence right because like um because the the difference between you know eating disorder twitter and then eating disorder tumblr it was like there's just like an aesthetic difference like on tumblr it was more so just quotes and pictures like just black and white pictures and just then spell and that's all it was and um and just like tips on like how to get to your goal and then like now on eating disorder twitter because like um there's actually like a different like aesthetics on there because not only is there like waif eating disorder twitter there's like k-pop eating disorder twitter and so like all of it (laughs) um a very demonic side that I never want to see again it just all relies on aesthetics and interests and which I think that's why it's more interesting now than it was back then whenever we were teenagers like um because they're putting their interests in it like with waste twitter they're all I had noticed that they're all obsessed with reading and stuff and like we said you know um being catholic and um lily rose depp and lana del rey and you know pink and stuff yeah no i think it is kind of like i mean i hate to admit it you know as someone who survived pro and a tumblr but like it is a little more sophisticated now and it's like and sophisticated is not necessarily a good thing but it's like it is a lot more kind of it is kind of like more related to like a more like purity obsessed like holy anorexia type thing than like pro-Anna Tumblr and like pro-Anna like back in the early 2010s because I think yeah as you said like pro-Anna Tumblr was very much like do you remember Felice Vaughn? 
Um, I didn't know about her until like some months ago. Like people were talking about her. I was like, I never heard of her. Surprisingly, interesting. Yeah, that's that is that's actually very surprising. She was like a big part of my pro Anna experience on Tumblr because, and she like her aesthetic was very much like satanic. You know, like she had like the black contacts and she like took photos like very like Maggie Dunlop style with like huge dogs and like you know, and like um, she wore black all the time and stuff. And it was like a very, it was very much like. It was very much anorexia and like eating disorders rooted in like self-hatred and the desire to like destroy yourself and the world around you. So it was very much like, it's like a very spiteful way of like yourself. Well, it's now the way that these girls do it. It almost seems like, like old fashioned and like Victorian and, you know, you just want to be like poor child. (laughs) Like honestly, it's a fair deal. The way I think about it is like, I feel like their aesthetics, like the way they put their aesthetics with their eating disorders, I think it just goes with whatever's trending, like even outside of eating disorders, if that makes sense. Like back then in the like early 2010s and the mid 2010s with Philly Fawn, because, you know, being an atheist and being satanic and like Satan imagery was like really popular and considered cool back then. And everybody was doing it. So like the anorexic girls were like doing it because it was popular on Tumblr. And now it's more so, you know, cool to be Christian and believe in God now, nowadays on the internet. So more so anorexic girls are, you know, have this holy aesthetic thing going on. Do you think like pro-Anna stuff is just like a strive for coolness at the end of the day? That it is kind of superficial either way, that it is like just a desire to like be pretty and be. Yeah. Really? So do you not think that there's anything like behind the need for perfection? I think it kind of goes both ways. Like, um, Obviously, like, they just want this sense of control. They want, you know, it it really depends on, you know, everyone else's experience. But then, you know, um, everybody, like, mostly they just want to be skinny. Then, like, they will admit to it. A lot of them, like, I read their whisper app memes where they're like, I'm only doing this because I want to be considered hot to like boys and stuff. It's like, there's always an agenda behind why they're doing what they're doing to themselves. Right. And I mean, I think, but I don't know. I just think that I just like, okay. So when I was like really going through it, I remember, you know, as like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, like when you're going through that kind of stuff, like you're just obsessed with consuming any media and any art that's connected to it in any way. So I remember Mm -hmm. like obsessively like looking up the the Wikipedia page for anorexia nervosa. I was like, you know, Googling it constantly. And like, like, you know, like the the main summary at the top of the page and mentioned something about like absent fathers and stuff. And my father was very much absent. So like, I feel like it just stuck for me with me forever. But it's like, you know, anorexia comes from absent fathers. And I tweeted that once and it got called out by like every single therapist on Twitter, like literally. But like, like, um, yeah. So like, I very much remember, like, I don't know, like, yes, it stuck with me. So like, you know, I I guess in a way, like, subconsciously I to this day think that it has something to do with like yeah the desire for male attention but like ultimately the desire for you know daddy's attention yeah like my reasoning is because I just want to be skinny you know it's it's just weird like how anybody can just have like different reasons for it like and like I don't know like you're they're all killing themselves 
but they have like different reasonings of doing it. So weird. But I mean, at the end of the day, like on our say is the most, you know, the, the deadliest of the psychiatric illnesses, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, what, 10% of girls die. So it's like, most of them are going to survive and most of them are going to have to learn how to like deal with the real world and like, you know, deal with like eating and stuff. And it's like, it's like, yeah, you can like, you know, you slip into like what I think once you're kind of like afflicted by it, you kind of like always have this urge. So you slip into like periods and like, you know, stages and phases and stuff. But I think like you can't, you know, you can't just starve yourself continuously for 20 years. You're not going to survive that. Like nobody survives that. And it's like, um, although sometimes, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen any of those videos of like, super you know like women who literally genuinely look like skeletons and they talk about how they first became anorexic in the 80s and the videos from like 2010 and you're like how the fuck did you live for that long yeah there's like um oh my god I remember um in middle school like my seventh grade year I was in health class and we were talking about um anorexia and um my health teacher showed this picture it was like of a model she was like super tall and she was just basically bones and it freaked me out so badly I'm like how how do people do this? Like, how do you even get, like, I can't imagine, like, I, it's so funny because with, like, anorexia, there's, like, people that only are, like, specifically into thinspo, and then there's people that are into bonespo. Yeah, no, bonespo is, like, a particularly, like, sick and twisted, you know, part of it, because it's literally, but I mean, by that point, you're genuinely just, like, worshipping death, and you, you know, you just have, like, a death push, and no one can, like, you know, get it out of you, but it's, like, I don't know, but it is so interesting how, like, in a way... It's like, I don't know, I think in one of those movies that I'm going to watch, they were comparing like uh, eating disorders to like addiction and how, you know, it's kind of like the same sort of behavioral pattern to like addicts because it's like a behavior that's like a behavioral pattern that you get addicted to because it's like, you know, it's something that helps you cope. So therefore, like the moment you get into coping that way, it's like, even if you get over, you know, even if you, you know survive that first year of you just doing drugs drugs continuously or if you survive that first year of starving yourself like you that like that desire to do it and that like constant you know struggle to not do it it's like always going to be with you and it's like and I think it's kind of like I mean it's a good comparison right because it's like different coping mechanisms but it's like I do think that ultimately there's just something so like because addiction again is very much about being out of control well, as like anorexia specifically is very much about the desire to be in control. And it's like, I just also think that eating disorders are like a very manipulative like thing. <laughs> it's just yeah. like they turn you into like a very manipulative person. Yeah, it's true. But like, I don't know. It's like the way like, <laughs> like if you um, look back to, you know, the early 2000s, like whenever... Um, what was that show called? Um, America's Next Top Model, like its early seasons, especially like whenever Janice Dickinson was um, one of the judges and it's like how normalized it was to be anorexic and stuff like, and nowadays, like you can't get away with that. Yeah, no, you can't get away with that. I mean, what was that law that was like passed in France that, you know, anorexic models can't, you know, appear in like billboards or whatever. But it's interesting because I think like, Obviously, I think it's stupid. (laughs) You know, I think, you know, when the ideal of beauty and the ideal that girls are supposed to strive for is incredibly thin and basically borderline anorexic or anorexic to the full extent, like 
it, it does do something to the public consciousness. But I think the question that should be asked about that kind of stuff is not why, you know, is not, um, how is it that we allow that kind of thing to happen? It's more like, why is it that that kind of thing happens? Isn't like, you know, like at the end of the day, like the, the, what fat, what the fashion world wants to do is sell clothes, right? Like that's the ultimate aim. We're like, yeah, it's like artistic and it's creative and stuff. And it allows people to like fulfill their visions. But at the end of the day, it's about selling clothes because otherwise none of that stuff would exist. So it's like, and they wouldn't exactly risk their, you know, financial interests if putting a super skinny model on the billboard wasn't selling clothes. So it's more like, why do, why do people want to see that stuff? Like, why do we want to see somebody, you know, somebody's bones on the billboard? Like, why is it something that we're attracted to? And sure. It's like, you know, it's like, it's not just a one-way relationship, but it's like, it does sell clothes, right? Like we want to see, we do equate thinness with beauty and it's like, and I mean, I do too, right? Because it's like, with like, I'm not saying, you know, we in a judgmental way. Like, isn't like, why is it that we, like, does it have something to do again with like religious principles and like the idea that gluttony is a sin and it's like seeing uh, like a thin person is like seeing the ultimate beauty because it's about, you know. Right. Yeah, I've, I've thought about that a lot. Like, it's weird how, you know, like what is the fascination with, like what exactly, like I know the fascination, but like what exactly is it about being thin that's so like satisfying? Like going back to the whole Kate Moss thing, which is like funny to me because like everyone, like knowing that she was considered like the super thin waifish model of that time. It's like, cause I look at her pictures from back then. It's like, I mean, she was like average skinny to me. Like I never really saw any bones come out of her, so I don't understand why she, like, was considered, like, the, like, obviously I can understand why she was, like, considered one of the wayfish models, but, like, not anorexic in a way. I don't know. Yeah, she's just, like, naturally skinny. Like, you can see, yeah. you know, she's just, like, she's, like, skinny build, but she's not, like, yeah, she's not, like, bones <laughs> Right, which is why I don't get it, because I remember, like, specifically, um, there was this episode, it was, like, a couple seasons back on um, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, where they were talking about skinny girls and, like, the whole Kate Moss era and how they felt, like, that that they had to look like her. I'm like, I mean, she looked average, like any other model of that time. I don't get the fascination. I don't know, but it is kind of funny that like for so many years now, Kate Moss has been the waif ideal because, you know, body types and like body ideals like change so quickly during like the last like 50 years of like the 20th century. So you went from like, you know, Twiggy and like, you know, Cher in the seventies and stuff to like, you know, the eighties, like bombshell and stuff. And it's like, and then it just kind of stopped. Or even like fifties, whenever, you know, Marilyn Monroe, cause she was more of the, you know, curvier, thicker type of girls or um, Betty Page and stuff like that was the ideal body type surprisingly like everybody I mean we kind of like we reverted back to that now in you know 2021 it's more like the 50s where everybody wants to be thicker like Marilyn uh, Monroe type and then that's whenever you know like you said Twiggy came around and everybody like started slimming down more right 
Yeah, but it is kind of funny. I don't know if you've ever seen those like ads from the the 50s for like um, for like fattening pills or whatever, where they like talk about, you know, like you'll have like a, I don't know, like a specific like dish or dessert. And it's like the advertising campaign was like, you know, are you worried about being too skinny and boys not liking you? You know, just eat that many puddings a day and you're, you know, you're going to gain all the weight and all of the boys are going to be yours. And it's kind of like, it's very cute. Like it's very, I don't know, it's very endearing, like in that kind mm-hmm. of like... 50s which is so insane to me even now like whenever you know i'll see tiktok videos of like skinny girls they'll be like oh it's so hard for me to gain weight i want to be thick i need to have a thick butt and thick legs i'm trying to be like uh megan the stallion and it's so like it doesn't like connect to me i'm like wow Oh my God, I keep forgetting that that's not, you know, being super thin isn't, you know, the, like, it is like, cause I'm so disordered and I'm like, my God, I need to be so skinny. Like I have a goal. And so whenever I hear that others want to gain weight, the point where they're thick, I'm like, oh my God, that exists. But in a way, like every time I see a video of that, I just think that they're like, you know, gloating in a way. It's like, they're just making fun of like fat people. I don't know. It is, it is something in my brain as well. It's just like every time someone talks about how, you know, they're, you know, they just, just want to be curvy like you know all the plus size models it's like oh I wish I had your body like every time somebody comments like I wish I had your body under like some like body positivity influencers like whatever I'm just like no you fucking don't like stop lying I don't buy it like I don't buy that this is how you want to look but it's like but I think that's kind of okay this is this is where the actual pro Anna stuff comes in I think I think that in a way that's sort of like, um, you know, I think that sort of epitomizes the sort of like lazy, accept yourself as your way ideal that exists today for the most part, where it's like, oh, you don't actually, you know, you don't actually have to solve any of your problems. Like you can just, you know, go to therapy once a week and lie to your therapist, or you can just like, you know, you can just binge watch Netflix all day, coping mechanism, you know, hashtag whatever. And it's like, like all of that stuff where it's kind of like, it's so ambitionless and it's so like pointless and it's like, it's so visionless as well. Like it has no kind of, like people for the most part really kind of lack any sort of idea and vision for themselves. And I think it's much more like, it's much more a symptom than a problem as in like, you know, people like don't see much of a future for themselves. So they like revert to like the sort of like coping. Oh, this is just, you know, I just accept myself like the way that I am thing but it's like I do think that like in one of the articles that I sent you there's this whole bit about that talks about like um like Simone Weil the philosopher and like because she was famously anorexic and stuff and I think I mentioned this in the beginning of the episode but I don't remember anyway so like yeah it talks about like her anorexia and stuff and it talks about how like um it kind of makes the point that she wasn't you know on her like she didn't have anorexia nervosa that she like had holy anorexia but like Mm -hmm. And he talks about how, like, the motivation for pathological anorexia is the desire to be thin because thinness is codified as beauty or attractiveness or in order to hide from trauma to literally become invisible or for the sake of a ravenous ambition. And like, I thought that the ambition part was interesting because I do think that, like, um, there is something about, like, periods of, like, because, you know, we quite, like, you know, the 50s were, like, uh, particularly you know like financially and like whatever secure period so people could like indulge their desires and they could you know sort of be surrounded by their wealth and their comfort and stuff while it's with like periods where stuff is much less comfortable or like periods right before some sort of collapse like the 20s with like you know like the 
um like the way of dressing and like those also like pretty much wave girls and stuff like it's very much like every time there's some sort of like economic or like financial turmoil the body ideal for women shifts drastically yeah and it's like I do think there's something about like the ideal being really thin and borderline anorexic that sort of like talks about like ambition and like the strive for something because now like like I've been saying because you know being like what I said earlier, being skinny is like the new minority now. Like you go on TikTok, it <laughs> it's so funny because like uh, like you said, you know, like there's this one girl I follow on there. Her name is Riley, um, and she's like naturally thin. Like it's genetics. Like a lot of the girls that you see with like these perfect toned you know skinny bodies it's like genetic and so um they get hit on the most too and it's so funny but um Riley you know like she's into fashion so she's always like showing off her outfits and dancing around in her videos and it like people think she's body checking and it's so ridiculous and um saying that she's like pushing these harmful you know body ideas onto young girls and it's like what are you talking about like what are you what are you even talking about she just exists you know who is body checking for sure eugenia cooney because i went like you know through her channel and stuff and like the videos she's been posting for like the last couple months in like different outfits and it's just her like in a mermaid outfit like basically in a bikini like sitting in front of the camera like girl you are you know you know what you're doing like you know exactly what you're doing and you know people are going to be worried for you in the comments and you know they're going to you know comment you know oh my god you like you look like you're three seconds away from dying blah 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 (laughs) Know that's going to be something that people are going to say about you and, and so she needs crazy. to hear it because that motivates her to you know keep doing it yeah but it's almost like a fetish as well in a sense that it's like you know she knows that by this point the only people watching her videos are people who are like morbidly obsessed with her you know slow death like yeah you know, people who are like just fascinated, you know, who are just checking to see whether or not she's died yet. Like, it's not, you know, no one's in game, like her quote unquote, I hate that word, but you know, kind of like no one's like watching to like actually see how she's done her makeup. Yeah. Cause there's this um, one video I saw. Um, I think it was from last week where she like, she was crying about like how she's sick of like getting comments about you know, whether she's okay or not and, you know, getting hate and stuff like that. It's, it's like she purposely lifted up her leg up on her chair and she left it there for like five seconds and put it back down. Like, girl, you know what you're doing. You know exactly what you're doing. Yeah, no, totally. And it's very fucking <laughs> sick and twisted. Like seeing this girl, like, I mean, I, I literally have no, I, I you know, I, like, I don't really watch YouTube. I was never really into YouTube, like the way that some people were, but it's like, and I guess like the first time that I really became aware of her was when like people like started constantly talking about how she was dying. Like, that's all <laughs> I know about her. It's just like, for this, like for like years now, she's been dying. So it's like, right. she's like, one, like, of, she's like one of those videos. Yeah. She's like one of those women in those videos, you know, interviews where it's like, they've been dying for 30 years. They look like a skeleton <laughs> for 30 years. And you're just like, why? Like, how is that even possible? Because right. it's like, 
you know exactly what you do. And by that point, yeah, you know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly why you're doing it. It's like, honestly, like I never, I never really had body dysmorphia. Like I never really saw myself as anything other than what I was. It was very much about like getting attention and like just exercising control for me. But it's like, it's like every time there's like a bit in some, you know, like every time someone talks about like body dysmorphia and how they they see themselves like 10 times larger than they actually are. That's always like very like confused. Like, I don't really know how that works (laughs) at all. I don't imagine it. So it's like, I don't buy that she thinks like that she's actually fat. Like, I do think that by that point, it's just like, I am, you know, I am so much better than you. I am so much stronger than you. Like, right. And she hides it behind this, you know, sweet girl persona. And like, I think she actually is a sweet girl, but it's like, I don't know. She's like retarded now. She's like completely brain dead, but it's like, she's retarded, but she knows exactly what she's doing. And, um, it was, it was like, I was happy for her. It was like in 2019 where she like completely disappeared from the internet and um she had announced that she was going to rehab and because I remember like even before that she like denied that she had an eating disorder even though it's obvious like you like come on but um she went to rehab she disappeared from the internet and then like early 2020 or something she like came back and she did that documentary with uh, Shane Dawson and you could tell like she had gained weight you know she was still super skinny like still underweight but she she was like gaining and then she was doing well for months and she looked good she looked so pretty and I was like really proud of her everyone was proud of her and you know excited to see you know what the future held for her and then you know I didn't check on her for months and I was like I wonder how Eugenia Cooney's doing uh, these days so I looked her up I go on her YouTube and she's like fat like super thin again it's like dude come on I was rooting for you I mean she seems very you know as you said very brain dead by this point and I'm not you know I can't even judge that but it is it is very much like uh it's not even about like oh I'm so much better than you I'm so much thinner than you I'm so much more beautiful than you it's much more like oh look at me you know like because I think anorexia despite the fact it's it's like a very it's very much like the epitome of this female ideal of what strength looks like is in like you know because the female idea or like the white you know like the traditional female idea of strength is weakness right because the weaker you are the more submissive you are the more control and power you have in you know quote unquote a man's world so it's like you know the more the more you are strong in a like a submissive and like controlling way, the, you know, yeah, the stronger you are as a woman. So it's like anorexia is kind of the epitome of that where it's like, you know, you are weak and you're fragile and everyone's afraid of touching you and you don't want people to touch you, et cetera, et cetera. But everyone's, you know, you get the most attention because people, you know, pay attention to you because you're a skeleton and you're starving yourself and you're, you know, you're making everyone worry. And so it's like the ultimate idea of what female strength looks like and it's also like how much longer can I hold out for you know how much longer can I starve myself for like how much longer can I exist like that and it's like with her it's very much like everyone's just fucking wondering when she's gonna die which is horrible but it's like what else is there to do right so it's like right it it is very yeah it's very yeah there's like this whole theory that will um that her parents are in on it like they well of course they're aware because she lives with her parents but 
like they just don't care about it because you know she makes money off of that because like she gets a lot of views on her videos like like you said people don't click on her video on her videos because of the topics she talks about no one cares that she does her makeup or what type of shoes she's getting they're seeing how thinner she's gonna get and her parents thrive on that and she gets money every time like someone clicks on her videos and so they see her their daughter as like this money bank so as long as she stays sick they get richer yeah and that's like this whole you know theory it is kind of funny that like every single like you know famous anorexic or whatever as in like you know karen carpenter and like dare right and like all these people like someone i mean someone vague i guess not but it's like a lot of these people and in the movies i sent you one of them is about teenagers but the other one is about adult women and you know they live with their parents it's very much like a controlling parent kind of thing as well right like you said, I think you said this earlier, like having anorexia kind of like puts you in this mindset of a child. And that's definitely the case with Eugenia because she acts like so much like a child. And um, like the videos I sent you of her, like dating back to whenever she first started on YouTube, you could like, you can tell the difference in her voice from back then and like her appearance and her, you know, energy, she seemed more quirky. And I mean, I don't, I never found her funny, but like, I guess to like the humor back then she was considered funny and she had more energy than she does now. And then she like, as you like scroll through her videos, it gets worse and worse where she has less energy. Her voice is more high pitched because like, there's nothing there inside of her for her to like, there's like some scientific thing that where like I guess anorexia kind of um has something to do with your vocal cords and how you speak and then whenever she recovered you know she sounded her voice was like naturally deep again and then she relapsed and now she sounds like you know a kid and it kind of like puts you in this mindset of a child and that your parents need to take care of you and I think that's why like she doesn't even have her own place yeah, I mean, it's very much, yeah, it's very much the mindset of a child. It's very much like uh, imitating the physique of a child, right? It's like reverting back to childhood, which again, I guess why a lot of, uh, you know, there are a lot of theories about how, you know, like anorexia is actually just a way of like dealing with trauma and stuff. And like, you know, like you lose your period and you lose any sort of sexual appeal. I think ultimately anorexia is kind of like performing for the female gaze, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like no men, like, literally no man ever has found that stuff attractive like like not attractive to men at all so it's like it's fair but girls you know we're fascinated by that kind of stuff we just can't stop watching and imitating and you know and desiring and like you know being jealous of that kind of stuff so it's like right you're performing for other women Right, which is like on Twitter and stuff, like with Wave Twitter, whenever they post like fat spo of these, you know, fat girls from TikTok, and um, some of them can like they have very pretty like facial features, and it's always oh what a wasted potential. She's so pretty. Imagine how prettier she could be if she was skinny. And it's like, of course, it's definitely like for the female guys because like men don't really care. I mean. Of course, like men do have their input on, you know, weight and stuff like they really they everybody. I mean, men just want thick girls. I feel like they don't really care for, you know, super thin girls and they don't care for, you know, super fat girls. 
I mean, so a lot of them like fat girls, but look like obese. I mean, yeah, but by that point, it's like a fetish. And men who want super skinny women, it's a fetish too, right? Like it's right. basically like, you know, it's like a whole fucking thing on Twitter. That's like, oh, if you if you date a woman, if you date a woman who's like uh, shorter than you know, like five three, then you're a pedophile because you ultimately <laughs> want to date children. But it's like I, I do think that if you date like an anorexic girl, unless it's like you know, unless you're in love, which is a bit different. Like there's a difference between lust and love. It's like if you love someone and they're struggling with their weight and whatever, that's one thing. But it's like if you are purposefully seeking out underweight girls on like wave twitter or like tiktok or whatever you are just a pervert and you do kind of (laughs) want to date children or you want to date sick women which is like there's this one video like when i was researching this video uh researching this episode and like watching a bunch of youtube videos this is one video that constantly pops up it's like it's like this youtube channel um about like the girl is like an ex-anorexic whatever and she talks about and she was like an anorexic in the early 2000s and she talks about like pro-ana meetups and like um anna like fetish forums and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff and it's like yeah there's like a whole world of like men who fetishize anorexic girls and it's like you know just like all fetishes it grows right. and it's, thick it's and the it's same twisted. thing with like yeah it's the same thing with um you know, obese people, like if you watch, um, my 600 pound life, there's like countless of episodes of like obese women who have like either like chubby husbands or boyfriends or skinny boyfriends. And they're like, obviously feeders. And they like, they're like, I don't, I don't agree with you getting the surgery or losing weight. I like you fat. And it's like, that's so weird. That's weird, dude. And creepy. And you're like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I think when you exist in the world of extremes, you attract perverts and fetishists by definition, right? Because it's like, I think when you're, yeah, I think when you're too thin, meaning, you know, you're anorexic or like really, really obese, it's like the only people who are going to be attracted to you, like sexually speaking, are going to be complete perverts. And it's like, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just a fact. And again, love is different. That's a different thing, but it's like... You just see that those people fetishize the person that they're with. And it's like, and I mean, I guess it's kind of like, and you know, because I think like eating problems on either end of the spectrum are kind of a sign of a low self-esteem at the end of the day. Right. And it's narcissism, Mm -hmm. especially with anorexia, like anorexics are really narcissistic because you have to be so self-focused to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. But also like narcissism, it's the same as self-hatred. So it's like, you know, they hate themselves and they're obsessed with themselves. And obviously the only people they're going to attract, especially sexually speaking, are going to be like weirdos. Right. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, men are just, I don't know. They just like, there's something else. Cause like, I feel like people like, they kind of like, I don't know. It's like with men and, you know, dating, it's like, of course, like like what you said, there's a difference between love and lust. Of course, like if they really love somebody that just happens to have like anorexia, then, you know, they're not a creep. But if they are like, if every single girlfriend or like person they've hooked up with or whatever has had anorexia, they obviously have a problem and they're obviously creepy and that's a red flag. But in a way, I guess like... The way that that stuff functions online, right? Like it kind of turns us all into perverts and fetishes because we watch Eugenia Cooney videos and we watch Proanna stuff and we look at them and it's like, you know, we might be laughing at them, but at the same time, it's like, you know, we're 
somewhat obsessed with them as well because we keep on coming back and it's like it's like watching a car crash you can't look away as you said like you look at that stuff and it's like you know you might not like it you might be disgusted by it and you know you might be disgusted with yourself for looking at it but it's like you just can't look away because it's just so like weird (laughs) yeah it's so weird (laughs) and like fascinating and just like and it's like and we like looking at you know tortured people right because it's like there's no way this could happen to me at all so might as well just you know consume whatever media of people being you know tortured soul yeah no exactly and it makes us kind of like first of all it makes us feel better about ourselves right because it's like it's like Mm -hmm. watching you know it's like we're all like culture in general is like obsessed with beautiful women being like fucked over like we're love that stuff we love we love it when pretty women are miserable so it's like and you know and it's pretty like it's cool to look at you know like a sad girl with a cigarette will always be a classic image because it's fucking great like it's cool to look at but it's like we're just obsessed with that kind of stuff and it's like again I'm not saying that's bad like I think any sort of any trying to any kind of way of trying to like define or moralize art and by definition media because those two are so intertwined now it's like it's stupid and it's pointless and it's like who cares if it's good or bad it's just it just exists right so it's like I don't know, like looking at that kind of stuff, it's also like, it's fascinating and it's just tragic because it's like, you know, like just like with addiction and stuff. And I kind of talked about that on the last episode that I did like about heroin chic and stuff. And it's like, I think we love looking at stuff that's kind of like the reminds of, reminds us that like life and death are real, that like Mm -hmm. we are you know, that these kind of things matter. And when you look at like someone who looks like a skeleton and is still alive, like, I think that reminds us that like, oh, you know, this stuff is real. Right. And it's still like, I don't know, like it's still with the whole Eugenia Cooney thing, or just like, there's this one girl that I've seen on, um, I think it was Instagram or TikTok. I can't remember which, but like, she's like, she's bone spo pretty much like i think she she's skinnier than eugenia cooney i think like it's definitely like gone gone to her face where like because with eugenia cooney because that like at least she still like even though her face is still like really thin you, you can tell she's like in her 20s but this girl she looks so old it's basically like the um karen carpenter thing where you know Karen Comforter was like in her 30s whenever she passed away, but she looks like she was like in her 50s. It's yeah. like that bad. No, it is horrible. I mean, looking at like any kind of image of Karen Carpenter is incredibly sad, like because it's like, you know, like it happens so fast. Like, you know, you look at their early performances and she's just like this beautiful, you know, teenager basically. And it's like, yeah. And then mm-hmm. by the time, like before her death and stuff, it was just like, yeah, she was like in her 30s and she looked old she looked really old I guess it's sort of like the like the dichotomy right like the whatever it's like the fact that anorexia is a strive for beauty but ultimately it makes you ugly yeah which is like you know I feel like some people are lucky with it and some people are not whenever it comes to you know facial looks and stuff like either you look ugly or you don't which is like um like I feel like it got more popular obviously it got really popular like you said in the you know early 2000s like Paris Hilton era and you know um I think I think it was both her 
and Nicole Richie. I can't uh, remember if it was both of them or if it was just Nicole that held a party where they had a specific weight limit to get in. Yeah, it was Nicole where she, um, I think I have it saved in my gallery because it's so fun. She had oh um, sent, <laughs> she had sent out like some emails that were like, um, we're, I'm having a um, Labor Day um, party or whatever. If you're over a hundred pounds, you can't get it. <laughs> And then there's like, because um, if you look at pictures of her, like whenever her and Paris were doing that, um, their reality show and the, you know, later on in the late 2000s where she's like, where Nicole is like super thin, where you can see her bones. It's like, I mean, at the, at the beginning of like the simple life, she was kind of chubby, right? And like, she's very short yeah. to Paris and it's like, and then she just like straight up looked bony. I don't know. It's right. Weird, but it's like I don't know. I I think in general I'm like against any sort of like you know corny as it is, like any sort of censorship, even of stuff like that, because it's like you know you're not solving the problem by like banning like anorexic models from Paris Fashion Week. Like you're not doing anything, right? Because it's like no one, you know, if if it really was about that was also like a bit like in one of the articles that I sent you, it was basically talking about how like. You know, like if anorexia was just like a product, like anorexia in the modern world, like anorexia in Rosa was just like a product of the fashion world, like that would be one thing, right? But it's not, and like it existed way before. And you know, there we know of cases in like the Victorian times, and it's like mm. you know, there are cases like for all the whole of the 20th century, and it's like it's not just it's not just because of skinny models. It's not just because of skinny celebrities. It's not just because of that. It's because like there's just something so profoundly like. I don't know, I guess, perfectionist about the female existence that it's like, that it's so common and it's so widespread. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, what you said about like banning anorexic girls, it's like, it's not realistic. Like, I mean, they exist. So of course, you know, if they have a modelly look and they're tall, of course they're going to be in Paris Fashion Week. And I like, of course, like, you know, if you are tall and fat and you, you know, have like this model-esque look to you, of course, you know, you should be and, you know, catwalks and stuff. But it's like, why can, you know, nearly obese people be in Paris Fashion Week, but not, you know, anorexic girls? I mean, both of you are dying. So, I don't know, I, like... <laughs> Like, both of you are dying equally. Like, I mean, one is dying faster than the other, but like, we might as well just enjoy each other's existence. Right. But it's like, I mean, both are basically like a representation of, on, you know, of unhealthy habits. Like, at the end of the day, it's like most people, like, I'm fuck. I mean, obviously, it's like a product of a bad diet and stuff, but like, a lot of, really obese people have eating disorders too it's just like theirs are different it's like binge eating disorder yeah no total I mean you know you'll watch I don't know if you've seen any of those but it's like there are these TikTok videos going around of like these people filming like a what I eat in a day like a 3,000 calories edition and it's kind of like you have this like you know like a beast woman like driving around from McDonald's to Starbucks like stuffing herself full and it's like this is fucking sick like right and it makes me feel like it makes me want to like go throw up because like um like, I'll look at those videos, like, I'll see them, and I feel, like, 
ill because it's like oh, they do it in such a disgusting way like there's this one girl I, I I'm gonna have to fight it and I'll send it to you like later but she's like yeah. she's one of those girls that think it's like quirky to like be obsessed with food and she's like like just stuffing all this unhealthy stuff in her mouth and barely even chewing it she's just swallowing it <laughs> and it's like I wanted to puke like I felt like I could feel like my non-existent dinner really coming up <laughs> like I wanted to throw up so bad and um and like you look at the comments and people are like oh gee that's so me and it's like that's I don't believe it when people are like everyone's always like um you know uh romanticizing you know anorexia and skinny girls and it's like that's not true because every time I look at a you know a video of a skinny girl and I look up the comments it's hate from you know fat people and talking about like non-existent like oh you're perpetrating like these harmful body images but whenever you go to like a fat person's you know tiktok where they're like eating themselves to death and the whole comment section is um gee me that's so me i relate like what's the truth then you know get help (laughs) (laughs) no but it's like i i think honestly the eating disorder stuff on tiktok is particularly fascinating to me because it's like you know i sent you these like like tiktok compilation videos on youtube of yeah. like people posting like their you know relatable eating disorder content like that kind of stuff but it's like um and it's like oh it's just it's really fucking weird to me when people talk about their eating disorders and just like oh this is not relatable isn't this relatable you know i didn't eat dinner haha it's like it's just something inside of me dies every single time i see that and it's like i really like i hate those like body positivity like like I got over my eating disorder video stuff. It's like, yeah. like, first of all, no, you probably didn't. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, I survived anorexia a year ago. No, you didn't. Like, it was just kind of <laughs> for you, first of all. But it's like, second of all, it's like, I mean, any sort of relatable content, just, you know, just hate it. I think it should right. not Especially exist. whenever, especially on TikTok, like, with they just made anorexia look so cringy and stupid like come on and like the one thing i agree with wave twitter about because they're always like talking bad about like those you know so-called anorexic girls on tiktok that like make those really stupid and cringy like sad videos about this is what it's like to have an eating disorder and they put like sad songs in the background and they're like fake crying while they're like looking in the refrigerator and wave twitter calls it wanorexic like a wannabe anorexic and i agree you're a wanorexic no it's true right because at the end of the day the one thing that eating disorders give you it's a good aesthetic eye there's no way there's no way that someone you know like someone who quote-unquote survived anorexia is going to be making like you know just genuinely cringe content like there's no way i don't i don't buy it and there's also like no way because it's like you know that video i sent you of this girl like filming her like um this is what it is to live a day uh, with anorexia like you know restricting calories like and Mm -hmm. it's like oh there's just something so like first of all why is she filming her face like that just threw me off immediately like i saw that and i was like this is like, are, do you want to get hospitalized? Like, is this your, is this your cry for help? Like, are we supposed to do something? Like, that was my first thought. I was like, why? You know, like, who is like, you know, it's one 
thing when it's like you have these like you know surviving my eating disorder channels because it's like okay whatever you're in recovery good for you but it's like and it's another thing when you have like eating disorder youtube channels because it's like first of all why is no one reporting this stuff second of all why does it exist third of all why is someone filming it like because eating disorder is all about like secrecy right and you have this like girl filming her you know restrictive diet and it's like but why but the part when she was like um because she was talking about getting on the treadmill she was like I would show you guys a video of me getting on the treadmill but I'm so like I don't um I'm so insecure of my body should I body check right now yeah I'm gonna body check like no I mean we're horrible for laughing at this stuff obviously <laughs> uh, we don't endorse we don't endure his eating disorders on this channel right. I was gonna say on this channel on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so no, funny it's- like look, go ahead no, 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 I was just gonna say, but yeah, it's just awful. <laughs> yeah, it's just like it's so funny. Like those videos that are like um, girls just claiming that they're one hundred percent, you know, uh, recovered from anorexia, and then they're like, "This is what I looked like whenever I had anorexia. This is how much I weighed." It's like, girl, you know, you didn't recover because, like, I feel like nowadays, like you, you should know better not to like show pictures of yourself whenever you were literally dying and like to display how much you weighed like at your lowest because like you know what you're doing you're you're gonna make people want to you know like oh I have to look like how she used to look I have to beat that like you know what you're doing yeah no of course of course they do that that's the thing though right because it's like there's no way you can recover from that stuff in a year. Like, there's no way. And also, like, that right. kind of mindset stays with you for life one way or another. It can transform into something else. It can transform into, like, a different disorder, blah, 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 all of that mental illness. But, like, it's like, um, I also thought that video you sent me, like, the Korean diet vlog was really funny mm-hmm. as well. I don't know. The whole eating disorder thing on YouTube is bizarre. The only thing, like, eating disorder related that I would ever watch on YouTube is Lifetime movies. <laughs> right like um with the whole korean thing because like i feel like um recently like the past few years like koreans have been like notorious for this whole pro in a thing especially like with you know k-pop like i don't i don't try to keep up with k-pop i hate k-pop but it's like everywhere and their fans are everywhere and like i said earlier like there's you know uh besides wave twitter there's k-pop eating disorder twitter and so, like, they always, like, glamorize, you know, their um, their idols. Like, there's this group called Blackpink, and there's other Korean girl groups, and they're just all so skinny. I heard that, like, they have... That's why, like, all the girls are so skinny, because they have, like, the um, their managers put them on, like, these strict diets or whatever so they end up being like underweight and you can like look up pictures of them uh like in the beginning of their career like from a few years ago where some of them had like thicker thighs and then all of a sudden they're all like toothpick thin right yeah i mean the k-pop like factory stuff where you know they like mass produce idols like that is truly deaf like it's fascinating and it's creepy and you know it's just it's like a whole other world but I think like and it's interesting that like that whole idea of like media and art production kind of has crept into like the western um 
like canon now where it's like you know like everyone's aware of k-pop everyone's aware of like k-pop idols and everyone's kind of aware mm-hmm. of how that music and how that media and entertainment is produced and it's like and again i think it goes back to like you know ambition and like you know the strive for something and it's like yeah like um i don't know it's just like it's so weird like um what was I gonna say like with wave twitter it's like they all have like their specific like they always talk about like the same girls like that are like popular in the media or on social media that they use us then but like Dasha for example or um Lily Rose Depp and um um who else like um there's more, like, just a bunch of, like, Russian models and stuff. Like Elle Fanning as well, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's that's who I was thinking of, but I couldn't, I was thinking of Dakota, but I knew it wasn't. Elle is weird, though, because I do think that she was just, like, naturally skinny. I don't think she was ever, like, you know, like, because Livy rose up, like, um, basically, like, everyone's kind of aware that she has a really bad eating disorder, or at least that mm-hmm. she used to have one, like, a couple of years back. I don't know if she's hopefully doing better, I don't know. But it's, yeah, I think like, she recovered because she obviously gained weight. Like she has thicker thighs now. Yeah, I mean she looks great. She's very pretty either way, you know. But it's yeah. like, um, and Dash has been, you know, kind of I guess vocal about that stuff and stuff. And Elle Fanning, I think she's just like skinny, but it's like, uh, she's very tall too. She's very much like she looks like a model, but it's like, yeah. But it's always been like that though. Like Tenspo is a particular group of people, or it's like in terms of like face as well, because it's either like anonymous pictures of like body parts or yeah. like. <laughs> But like people like a specific group of people because again like as you said like as we keep on saying about this whole episode it's that like thinness is really not the ideal anymore and there's only so many thin women out there you know famous thin women who you can like you know fetishize and idolize in this like creepy piranha way right because every like these celebrities are so obsessed with like um being woke and being like body positivity like there's this recent thing with um camila cabello where um these paparazzi (laughs) yeah the the paparazzi pics of her going around of her exercising and running around and she's like chubby now and then back in her like fifth harmony days she was skinnier and um Hold on, someone's yelling. It's okay. <laughs> but um, you know, back in her fifth harmony days, she was more, you know, skinnier. And so she made a TikTok video, like just the boring body positivity speech that every celebrity gives. It's so boring. I think this kind of approach to like eating disorders and stuff, it, it's like a fundamental misunderstanding of how eating disorders work, right? Because it's like all that stuff that they, like all those videos at the end of the day, right? Like the goal for them is to like, A, make fat people feel good about themselves. B, is to like prevent girls from idolizing unhealthy body, whatever, you know, pursue yeah. unhealthy body standards. And it's like, you have all these health professionals and it's like, no, oh, no, we should get rid of skinny models. We should, learn. but it's like, it can completely misses the point of the fact that it's like anorexia is about control it's not it is about how you look but it's about how you look judging from the inside not judging from the outside so it's like it's not about how you know it's like no matter how many times you know it's like 
it's like showing that stuff to wave girl girls on Twitter. Like that's not going to do shit. Like they're not going to suddenly change their minds and be like, Oh, you know, I should just love myself the way I am. They're just going to call you gross. And that's the end of it. Like it doesn't change. Anything. Right. And it's like, like their go-to insult is always, you're probably fat as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're fat and ugly and you don't, <laughs> you go die. And I'm so much better than you, but it's like, <laughs> but that's all like ultimately, right. Like ultimately, anorexia and proana is about right it's like about control and it's about superiority and it's about like and it's like if anything i think the only way to like redirect their energy so like directed into perfectionism into some other area it's not to just like say oh you should just love yourself you should just love life and you should just be you know you should just be chill about things it's like if somebody you know if somebody is a perfectionist enough to starve themselves to that point like they're not going to be chill about anything right which is why like I don't understand why people always like try to purposely pick a fight with like eating disordered Twitter girls because obviously like you're gonna get your feelings hurt and you're gonna get upset so I don't see the point yeah no, exactly. Right. And it's like, also, why would you pick a fight with like sick girls who are like sick? Right. <laughs> like, like, that's what I had to learn. Like, like not even just with eating disorders, like not to just pick a fight with or just argue with teenagers on the internet because they're all retarded and like they don't ever know what they're talking about. And it's pointless. Well, I mean, of course, you remember being a teenager on the internet? Weren't you retarded? I was. I was. Yeah, literally- I was very retarded. But it's like they get more retarded like each year. And it's like, it gives me like a brain aneurysm almost. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the pro-anna girls now are nothing, you know, as in like they're way more intense than like the pro-anna girls back in the day. Because eating disorders used to be like a lot more secretive. And that's the thing though, like, you know, like, uh, like since both like body parts and stuff, like I can't imagine anyone back in like, back in the day posting like videos of, you know, like full on, like that's what I eat in a day videos on YouTube with their face in it. Like everyone was kind of ashamed. Like there was a lot of shame about that stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm better than you. I'm more superior, you know, I'm much more in control. I'm skinnier. I'm beautiful, more beautiful, blah, 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 all of that. But it's like, it's very much like, but I'm not going to show you. And if anything, like wave Twitter is much closer to that, like than any of the YouTube or TikTok stuff. And it's like, I don't know. And it's like, it's closer to like the early pro-Anna stuff on blogs and websites and the stuff in right. like Hunger Point where it's like, I mean, the, the funny thing about like Hunger Point, like the pro-Anna websites that they show in the film is that those websites actually look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only website that I knew of uh, was pro, myproanna.com. <laughs> <laughs> But they are kind of, you know, they had a very particular type of aesthetic and they stuck to it and it was like, you know, it was whatever. But it's like, it definitely wasn't, you know, gruesome or ugly. It's like, if anything, again, it's like a fascinating, like, you know, thing to look at. Right. But yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, I think no matter how many, and they talk about that in the film as well, like, you know, no matter how many pro a websites you delete, no matter how many pro a websites, uh, pages or blogs or accounts you delete, like that stuff is never going away because, you know, girls have always wanted to control their bodies and they've always, girls have always been anorexic, like that's always existed, that's always going to exist. And it's like, right. if, 
you know, if like... And no matter how many times you try to ban, you know, those type of websites, they're going to find a way, like some type of way to, yeah, to do that to to themselves. Totally. And it's like, no matter how many, you know, body positivity, I can't pronounce her name anyway, body positivity (laughs) videos you shove in their faces, they're still, they're still going to starve themselves and they're still going to think you're, they're better than you. So they're going to starve themselves even more like, oh my God, I can't do this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're, that's going to be, you know, that's going to be what they motivate themselves with. So it's like, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Always going to be a part of this world. Right. And as Miss Dasha Nekrasova says, I'm not glamorizing anorexia. I'm just simply anorexic and glamorous. 